Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Mara, some big casting news out of Young and the Restless. Jordi Villasuso, who joined the show in 2018 as Ray Rosales, has been let go and will last air later this spring. In an exclusive statement to us in the new issue, Jordi says he had an incredible experience at YNR that brought him immense joy, and he looks forward to what his next chapter is. Now, if you'll recall, the show's previous regime built a family around Ray and Lola and Arturo, then Mia. It wasn't that well received by the audience because it was all Rosales all the time. And eventually Mia and Arturo were written out and Sasha Kali, who played Lola, left on her own when she was cast in a Supergirl movie. But Ray seemed like a Genoa City lifer, so I have to say I'm sad to see him go. Though I really don't feel the show invested in him as of late. We, you know, we rarely saw him with Sharon and it seemed like there was going to be like a slow build to something with Chelsea, but that also went nowhere. So I do hope we'll see him somewhere soon. Yeah, Jordy is, is such a sweetheart. You know, I feel like he wasn't set up for the greatest success on the show, which is too bad. Uh, it's never all that easy to seamlessly introduce a new family into the established landscape of a soap town. And I feel like looking across the board at the shows that YNRs maybe had the greatest difficulty on that front. Uh, I certainly am curious to know how Ray will exit and what the departure uh, of that character will, will portend for Sharon, who I feel has been fairly story light of late and certainly seems due for a major plot line centered around her. I presume that whatever goes down with Ray will inevitably set Sharon off on a new course that I know her fans will follow with great interest. Uh, now, we also saw Tabiana Ali complete her first week as Trina on GH, and if we're giving out grades, I'm going to give her an A+. Uh, she came in at such a high-intensity moment in Trina's life, getting arrested for a crime she did not commit, releasing the Joss Cameron sex tape. I thought she did a wonderful job slipping into the character and had a great on-screen rapport with a lot of key players in Trina's life, Portia, Taggart, Ava, Spencer. Uh, so we also have an interview with Tabiana in the new issue, and she told me that she's so grateful for the warm welcome she got from Trina and Sprina fans, and that it meant so much to her to get uh, love on social media from Sydney Michaela, who she took over for, uh, and that it felt like Sydney was passing the torch to her. Oh, that's so sweet. And, um, you know, she's really hit the ground running and it's been great to see. Now, speaking of GH, you have talked a lot to Maurice Bernard about his State of Mind show on YouTube. And the latest installment was probably one of the most revealing and surprising interviews he's done. So Maurice talked to Tyler Christopher, who played Nicholas on GH, as well as Stefan on Days. 
And Tyler really opened up about his struggles, you know, mainly with alcoholism, but also shared that he was briefly homeless while trying to find a place to stay in Los Angeles recently and how he's working on himself now and really pulling himself together. You know, I think it is so brave of him to share his story. You know, he's also writing a book because these are the kinds of behind the scenes chatter we hear, but don't print out of respect for the actors. And, you know, just because we don't do that in general, but for him to be so forthright about it should absolutely be commended. Yeah, it's a very uh, harrowing story and he came close to death on multiple occasions. And it, it just made me so happy to see him able to tell that story from like a better place. You know, I have such a genuine fondness for Tyler. Like I actually have a picture of the two of us from when I was in college and one of my friends and I went to see him at an appearance and Tyler had a very good chuckle about that years later. But I have had such lovely conversations with him over the years uh, and he is spoken of so highly and with such affection by his coworkers at GH. And he just has so many people rooting for him. You know, I am a big believer in the idea that the truth will set you free. And I so hope that unburdening himself in this way is healing to Tyler. I know he's got a lot of love coming his way from legions of fans as well. As well he should. I mean, he is such a beloved member of the daytime community. Uh, now in the new issue, we also have an interview with Young and Restless's head writer, co-executive producer Josh Griffith, who talks about Diane's return and the thinking behind it, how it will affect everything going on in Genoa City, and so much more. But lucky us, we get to talk to the actress who plays Diane today. It's Susan Walters, who just made her triumphant return to daytime. So let's check in with her and see how it's all going. Hi, Susan. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Well, first of all, welcome back. We're so happy to be talking to you. And uh, since you and I have never spoken, I don't know if you've ever spoken to Mara, but we're going to get to know a lot about you. Okay. So you were born in Baltimore and raised outside of Atlanta. So tell us about growing up there and how your interest in entertainment developed. Well, uh, you know, I had a typical, you know, uh, suburbs of America uh, type childhood. And um, I never thought of acting or anything like that. I wanted to be an anesthesiologist, actually, from the time I was in the ninth grade um, after getting my appendix out. And um, so uh, my senior year of high school, I started modeling locally. Uh, for the Atlanta department stores, you know, and doing the little flyers and stuff like that. And then somebody from New York saw my book and thought that I should come to New York, which is how, and then I took, I didn't go to college right away. And that kind of jumped me into acting classes because I did a lot of um, uh, commercials while I was in New York. And then I got on a soap opera a year after I'd been in New York. So it kind of um, just happened that way. I was, I was really in New York long enough to, I wanted to be in New York long enough to make money for going to medical school eventually. And then I ended up not even going to college. So there. That's amazing. So plan, plan B. Yes. I think God laughed at you, as they say. Tell us your, your loving casting story, because you were part of the original cast of that show. Yes. Okay. Um, so um, I had auditioned for another soap called Texas. I think that's what it was called. And um you know, that was the first thing I really, you know, the first soap I had really auditioned for. And, um, and then loving came up and, um, God, it was such a weird process because they had a lot of auditions and, uh, Michael Lindsay Hogue was the director who wasn't your typical daytime director. And, um, he really, I guess, took a liking to me, you know, and felt that I would be worth the risks 
you know, of hiring, having not worked in the medium before. And um, so for him, I'm, I'm extremely grateful because, you know, it helped me get the job. It also helped that I looked very much like the um, actor playing my brother. And uh, it was it was kind of crazy because I was in this audition room with, you know, young women my age who I could see on TV already. So it was, you know, it was a little intimidating, but it, it worked out and it was great. My my first day of work as an actor, I was with Lloyd Bridges and Brian Cranston. So and uh, Geraldine Page was there, but I didn't I didn't work with her. And so that's a pretty good way to start things off. And what do you remember about those early days in New York? You know, what was that like for you? Um, yeah, it was it was great. Uh, I loved it. I loved because um, I I had lived in the kind of like the models apartment prior to that. I, I was only in New York a year before I got the soap. I just love the sense of community that we all had together. And we were a new show, so we were all really tight and kind of like how new, you know, when you do a pilot and everybody hangs out, um, we all spent a lot of time with each other and we were all very supportive of each other. And I think as a young actress, for me, what was so helpful is that um, most of the adults on the show all were from the theater. So they lived in New York and they did theater at night and they did the soap during the day. And the work ethic was just fantastic, you know, and, and it was like acting class every day. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, your time on Loving was uh, also personally significant insofar as you met and went on to marry uh, one yes, of I did. your castmates, Lyndon Ashby, who played Curtis. Yes. So tell us about uh, meeting him. I, I just read an interview with you where you said you knew you were going to marry him the second you met him. I know. And that sounds so... Um, you know, romantic or uh, romance novelly, I guess, same thing. But um, it was the weirdest thing. I was very driven. I hadn't gone on a date since I left, you know, Shambly, Georgia. Uh, I know I was all of 19, but still, you know. Um, and I walked into the makeup room and I just looked over at this guy. I know exactly what he was wearing. And I was like, whoa, you know, and I was reading Shirley MacLaine back then and all that kind of stuff. And I walked over to Bernadette the makeup artist. And I said, I'm, I'm going to marry that guy. And it was, it was more like a fact, not a emotion. And, um, I was like, hmm, she's looking at him. She said, well, I'll find out about him. <laughs> and so then, um, Lyndon and myself and John Allen Nelson and, um, the actress who played Lily Slater, uh, Jennifer Ash at the time or yes, Jennifer Ash. I'm sorry. And, uh, we all went out to lunch and it was it was, you know, of course, Lyndon didn't talk to me and I was felt like I was too stupid to talk to him. And then John and I ended up going out to a party at Lyndon's house. And, you know, um, so then we would run into each other over the next couple of years. Then I came back from doing a press thing actually in Miami and our um, our front guard, who was just like this really cool guy, um, Leroy says to me, hey, you know, that guy, Lyndon Ashby, called you at the studio. He wants to know what it's like to be on the show. And I'm like, oh. And he got Curtis. He'd gotten second Curtis. So then, like, nothing ever came of it. It was like, it was like all that stuff with Bernadette never even. And we worked together as cousins. And then, I don't know, it was like after acting class, one night, we both kind of professed that we had had crushes on each other. And, oh, too bad. Now we can't do anything about it because we're working together and, you know like by the end of the week, we were kind of together. So, <laughs> and we were married less than six months later. Wow. That's amazing. Um, well, when you look back on your loving experience, you know, what, what stands out for you? Did you have any favorite storylines or anything you learned there that really stuck with you? 
Wow, I learned everything there. So uh, that was great. Um, I learned the value of rehearsal, definitely, from, you know, doing the um, that movie of the week and watching, you know, someone like Geraldine Page, like figure out, like she made sure that he gave her time to pick up the keys and put the keys in the purse so that you didn't get flustered when you were actually uh, filming. Um, my favorite storyline, I, I, I can't even remember. I loved... Uh, I loved my character because it was it was back in the heyday of soaps. You know what I mean? I didn't like some of my, I, you know, I can remember storylines that I didn't like. I just can't remember I most of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which but, ones but, didn't you like, Susan? Oh my God, it was so bad. Um, <laughs> my character did something uh, controversial out of vanity. And uh, then so many viewers were upset about it um, that then they had my character like possessed by the devil being played by John O'Hurley, who's a really nice man, but I hated going to work. Um, and my character just had to cry and like fall to my knees all the time. And it was just, it was just really weird. It was a way of, you know, making me repent, I guess, but it, I was just like, Oh my God, it, it was just, it was awful. That was the only time I didn't, I have ever not wanted to walk into work. Not, not because I not because I felt so strongly ethically or politically one way or the other. It's just that every day my character was like crying and asking for forgiveness to this like devil figure. It was very weird. <laughs> Y'all shouldn't even talk about that. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it's too I, controversial. I, you know, I have talked to John O'Hurley about that and I think he also remembers that as a very oh. odd era. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, it was... I'll tell you what I didn't like about that soap. Forget the, you know, John was great. The storyline was a drag. The executive producer was, um, wow, in today's standards, he wouldn't have lasted a minute. He was uh, abusive and he was uh, physical at times, not to me, but, um, you know, I, I remember one day I just, I kept messing up um, the word planet because I was saying planet instead of planet, you know, or whatever. And there's this voice coming over the loudspeaker. Are you stupid? What is wrong with you? Okay. That wasn't the problem. You know, that was bad. But what was worse is that then he would call me down to his office and just sit there and, and tell me how dumb I was and how I couldn't speak. And here my, I was working five days a week, right? <laughs> my little head was the, was the loving head, you know? And um, he would kind of wait till I started crying and then tell me I could leave. And I was, I was like, whoa, you know? And I started just getting really freaked out. And the man who played my dad, he stuck up for me, which didn't work out so well for him. And uh yeah, it was just, he. It, I had to unlearn a lot of that. I, so I had so many great examples from older actors and even my peers on the show of just this amazing work ethic. And then I had, we all had that obstacle. And I think that's also why we were all so tight. I mean, I remember like as an actor now, I feel like I can, I can work in almost any condition because I remember my legs would just be shaking and I'd know that I was getting called down that afternoon. I mean, how, I don't know, you're shaking your head. Like, that would never happen now. That just wouldn't happen. No. You know? And it shouldn't anyway. You know? Huh? It shouldn't anyway. It should have never happened. It should have never happened. So then I get off the soap. I come out to LA. My first job in LA, well, I did a pilot, but then my first real job was on hotel with, you know, Aaron Spelling. 
And here's this kind, polite, professional, just amazing person. And it's like, well, okay, you produce dynasty. That's racy. You know what I'm saying? And everybody behaved. Nobody, the actors didn't misbehave. The, it, just, it was just a, I was like, okay, that, that unfortunately the, the loving was my first experience as an actor. And I had to undo some of that damage over the years. Yeah, I get that. That's that's somewhat traumatizing for sure. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, uh, do you ever run into Brian Cranston? No, I. You know, God, I I saw him. Um, I'm so old because I'm just going to say <laughs> decades ago. You know, my daughter. Our we have we our daughters are very close in age, and I remember we all had dinner, and I've seen him here and there. But uh, what a success story, man! Like, it's so nice when the good guys finish first. You know. <laughs> He's a great person and he was great to me. Um, you know, he was the LA actor. He was in New York on, on uh, the soap and he was awesome to me. Very generous all the time. And, and I, I'm assuming he's still like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, how did you end up leaving loving? Um, I kind of knew that I was going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> after the last trip to the basement <laughs> and I didn't start crying. Oh, this is what I was going to say about that storyline. Sorry. I should probably, well, anyway, so this is, this is how it connects with the John O'Hurley thing. So the last time I get called to the basement, because I had left an earring clip to a blouse, uh, cause we had those clip on earrings and it hurt my ear. And I, I forgot to put the earring back on my ear, blah, blah, blah. So I get called to the basement and uh, I didn't cry. I remember looking at my Converse high top shoes and just thinking, I am not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. And then this man starts saying the dialogue that John O'Hurley had said to my character that day to me, Susan, when he, John's playing the devil. And I was like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. And, 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 but you know, it was my first job. So I didn't know that it was that bad. You know, I just knew it was kind of bad. But I knew I was going to leave um, because I knew I wanted to try other things. And um, I mean, it was really, it was hard to leave because I left Lyndon on the show. Uh, and uh, I had a really crappy summer after that because I was so used to working and so used to being in this community, you know, and having a lot to do. And then I was just kind of floating and then things picked up and I did a film and then I came out to LA. Um, so I have to say, I, I distinctly recall when I first fell in love with Susan Walters and that was on the two short lived nightingales. Oh my God. This was my first experience. And I remember it so well of being on the opposite end of a show's cancellation where I loved the show and one day it was there and then the next day it wasn't. So I have so many memories of morning nightingales. I don't know if you had a good experience on that show or not. I know I did. You You know, uh, Kim Ulrich and Roxanne Dawson are still, she was bigs then, but we're still very close, you know? Um, Kim and I, I mean, we've just been texting the last several days and, um, you know, it was, it was fun. I mean, look, was it the show that Mr. Spelling pitched to me that I was going to be on? Not necessarily. I remember it was something about like a Cagney and Lacey St. Elsewhere style show. I was like, oh. and then, then it really became about, you know, doing aerobics and how, and our skirts were really short. But what's crazy is it was almost um, before it's time. It was a little after it's time, but it's before it's time because then that nurse's show came out right after that. It, it just, it was, and we beat China. The funniest thing is we beat China Beach in the ratings. And it was like, here are these, 
<laughs> unrespectable nurses. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting how the power of campaigns and ad and advertisement can really affect a network because our ratings were through the freaking roof. One of my favorite post-loving projects that you did was playing Priscilla Presley in the TV movie, Elvis and Me. So what was the casting process like for that? Did you ever meet Priscilla Presley? Were you an Elvis fan? So, you know, taking it back to Loving, I remember her book, Elvis and Me, came out. And I remember being on the set of Loving in the Alden Mansion and somebody showing me this book. And I'm looking at these pictures in the back of her book of her, they were black and white. And I'm like, that's me. You know, like it almost looked more like me that it looked like her. Like it was so weird. People were like, oh my God, you know, you, you need to play this one day or, you know, whatever. And then I was on ho hotel, which was the first, you know, the job that I, I got when I came out here and um, it came up, the audition came up and I was under contract and I auditioned. I did a terrible first audition as it is in business or Hollywood, especially the publicist for hotels, best friend was the wife of the director. So she got me back in. And then that audition went really well. And with all the people in the room, not Priscilla, but all the other people. And um, the director, Larry Pierce, was amazing in this audition process. So, um, so then I get the job and I have to go to Mr. Spelling and ask him if I can get off of hotel. So that's why I did Nightingales because I was under contract to him. Anyway, so um, what was interesting about doing Elvis and Me is that uh, because I had come from a soap and, you know, I had, I had done five days a week and I had all this work to do, I wasn't frightened by the material. And um, Priscilla, Priscilla's character, because it was her story, I was in every single scene but one of that entire production. And, um, you know, it was my, it was my first time working really that in film that way, where you just had to keep doing it over and over and over again and being able to sustain emotion. Um, cause you know, the format of daytime is awesome because you know, when it's your turn and you know, when you're going to go and you can kind of, you know, just be prepared. Um, but being on daytime really helped me with that job. I was never scared of it. It wasn't until after I did the job and then years passed, I thought, wow, that was huge that I got that. You know, like, I'm like, I peaked. <laughs> and I was well aware that I peaked. <laughs> I wasn't kidding anybody. I'm like, oh my God, I peaked at 24. You know, <laughs> um, I would like to go back and do some of the scenes from when she was older than 24 all over again. Because for me, uh, being a mother in real life um, and has has made me realize that I kind of was missing something, you know, playing the mother then. Uh, not to say that women who don't have children can't play amazing mothers, but I think the fact that I was 24 playing her in her late 30s with this child and the history they had, I did not have that depth at that point. So I, you know, but I certainly couldn't be the 20 year old again. <laughs> so we better leave it alone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So um, another major project that you uh, landed was the 1991 film Defending Your Life, uh, yeah. where you played Daniel's wife. Daniel was played yeah. by Albert Brooks, who also wrote and directed the movie. What was yeah. your experience on that film like? Oh my God, that was awesome. Um, it was wild because I was on Dear John and I just go in to do this audition and there's no sides but that little scene and I had no idea Meryl Streep was in it. Um, I met with Albert we did the scenes together and he's like, oh, you're such a shitska. And I'm like, what's a shitska? And he goes, perfect, you're hired, you know? So I, uh, it was great. I just showed up in the morning 
did this scene. I never met Meryl, never read the script. It was crazy to be opposite the person who wrote it and he's directing it and I'm playing opposite him. And, he, you know, so that was, that was pretty amazing. Then when the movie came out, by the time the movie came out, I was, I was on bed rest and pregnant with my first child. So I didn't get to go to the whole, you know, Hollywood thing. I know, but it was, it was kind of crazy. It was really fun. I loved it. I loved it. And then they used that clip. I mean, I was in this movie for 30 seconds and they used that clip on all the morning shows and stuff. So people thought I had this huge part in the movie. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, well, as you mentioned, you did welcome two daughters, Grace and Savannah. Um, so being a working actress is obviously no easy feat, but being a working actress with two children is yet more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. So when you look back on that chapter of your personal and professional life, you know, how did you make it all work? Well, you know, I'm, I feel, I feel really uh, grateful that I don't have any regrets that I didn't have to make any uh, tough decisions on work over being the kind of mom that I wanted to be that that worked for me. And um, when I first had Grace, I was on a sitcom and they were so accommodating. And she just, you know, as an infant, she came to work with me. Um, and then uh, when the girls were little, I mean, I, I worked, but they were able to come with me for the most part. Um, I didn't have any jobs that lasted for that long where I missed huge chunks of time, except I did a series in New Orleans and um, I worked, you know, every single day, all day. It was a pretty intense show and we worked a lot of times at night. So that was tough because um, I would get in at like three or four in the morning and then my kids would get up, you know, at seven or eight. And that was when I was able to be with them. So I didn't sleep a lot for those eight months. Um, you know, but I'm like, yeah, I had somebody there helping me, you know, um, it kind of worked out and it, it's worked out for Lyndon and I that uh, just as kind of like fate has it, one of us is usually busy when the other one isn't. So that's been helpful. One of the sitcom appearances we got to ask you about is your uh, appearance on the acclaimed sitcom Seinfeld, playing Thank arguably you. one of the most famous Vulva. love interests, Jerry Seinfeld's <laughs> Jerry Volva, um, aka Dolores. Uh, so, what stands out to you about shooting Seinfeld? And I gotta know if Eric Braden has ever pressed you for Scoop because that's his favorite show. Oh well, isn't that funny? Because I worked with maybe Eric Braden recently. <laughs> Just maybe. Um, and I'll have to, I'll have to, I'm sure, I'm sure he has no idea that's me. Um, so, uh, oh, that's fun to know. Um, so what sticks out to me about this job was that I had a six-week-old daughter and my sister with her four-week-old son in the car, or maybe they were, maybe they were like eight weeks and six weeks or whatever. And we were going to, we were hanging out. She'd come to visit, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, I just got to go by and do this audition real quick. It'll only take a few minutes. I'm sure I'm not going to get it, this, that, and the other. So I go in and audition, and then they're like, oh, sit in the you've got it seat, basically. So there's a seat where the person who they want to get the job is sitting because I went to work that day. So then I'm like, dang, you know, my sister's in the car. <laughs> However, I really am happy I'm in the seat. <laughs> so, then, um, so then I had to send her home, and I went right to work that day. So when I think of Seinfeld, I think of the fact that I had a six-week you know, six old. I'm like, dang, you know, I just had a baby, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, it was great. Jerry was great. What sticks out for me the most about filming is that the final scene we did that was, you know, Jerry was so funny in it. 
was handed to me probably 30 minutes before the audience got there. Wow. That whole, you don't know my name, do you? Cause they keep, you know, they just kept playing around with it. And, um, I, I mean, I was, I had my fingernails in the palm of my hand to keep from laughing. <laughs> totally, totally. It was great. I was like, Oh my God, I was dying. Cause normally on a sitcom, you know, you get, you get your scripts early. So you, you're kind of done laughing at how funny it is by the time that you actually have to perform it, but not this. It was like, Oh my God. So and I'll never forget. They came down and handed me these blue pages and I'm reading going, okay, here we go. <laughs> well, yeah. did you have any sense when you were filming it that it was going to yeah. be a job and a role that would garner so much attention for years and decades to come? No, I had, I had this kind of messed up mentally. Um, because I, I just did this other Seinfeld podcast where they told me how wrong I was. But I, when I auditioned for the when I auditioned for the show, I do not remember being scared or intimidated by it being this hit. I think it was finding its legs. It was in maybe the third season or the second. I, I knew that it was you know good, but I don't remember being like this phenomenon. And then right after I filmed my episode, that's when maybe a couple more episodes came on that just the show took off like crazy. And then I was like, Oh my God, that's what I just did. So I was kind of, you know, nervous for it to come out. So I, I was probably, it was probably lucky for me that I didn't know how popular the show was, you know? Um, you know, like I did a thing on Melrose Place. Well, I was a fan of Melrose Place and it's much harder to go into audition for something when you're kind of you know, in awe of the show and, and you're like, oh, you know, and then, and then, then you have to walk into work and be, oh, I'm, I'm one of you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the, the good thing about Seinfeld is, is I don't think it had taken off to the extent that it did by the time I filmed mine. Well, I probably you could have gotten it. I probably, it would have probably would have been me if it had been three weeks later. Right. <laughs> well, you clearly did uh, ace those, you know, keep your nerves in check and you uh -huh. ace the Melrose Place tryout. So what was it like for you to do your uh, very juicy run on that show, uh, on a show, as you said, that you were a fan of? You know, um, you mean for, for Melrose Place, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so what was what was really nice in a in a weird way about that is that I went in knowing that the character died. Like, first of all, I was impersonating a dead person. And then the live person was also going to die. I mean, they never, I'd worked with these guys on, some of them on Nightingales, maybe? It was some of the spelling people. And um, they told me right off. So I didn't feel like, oh, I hope I can prove my, you know, you didn't have, go in thinking, if they like me, I'll stay or anything crazy that we sometimes take upon ourselves. Um, it was great. I got to work with Rob Estes. He was like pick of the litter. <laughs> and then Lyndon, of course, the real, you know, he was on the show at the time. We had one scene. We had like one or two scenes where I had, we were in the same scene together and that was kind of weird. It was kind of fun, but we, we worked together really well. But yeah, it was, it was great. They were all very nice. In 1998, you also starred in the TV movie, I Married a Monster, opposite Richard Berge, who until recently played Ashlyn on Young and the Restless. So when we had him on the podcast, he spoke so glowingly of his experience working with you, not only on that project, but later you played husband and wife on the Fox drama Point Pleasant. So tell us about working with Richard. It's interesting because before I could tell anybody that I was on Young and the Restless, I, you know, stalked the show and saw that Richard was on it. And I was like, oh my God, I might get to work with him again. What was great about 
working with Richard on this really, you know, it was an intense storyline on Point Pleasant for me. Um, he had such confidence in me as an actor and, and he really helped me bring out the best in myself. You know, he's, he's an amazing scene partner just right there. And, you know, Richard and I just, we just got along really well and understood each other really well. And we laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and got in trouble, <laughs> you know, and here we're supposed to be the adults, you know, and there's a teen storyline and, and, um, yeah, he's great. He, I, I do really, I work really well with Richard. So I was kind of excited thinking that I could somehow worm Diane's way over that direction, but um, now he's not there. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully you'll meet again somewhere yeah. else. Yes, yes, um, yeah. All right, so uh, from 2001 to 2004, you did return to daytime to play Diane on Lionheart uh, during your original run, the, the Jack Phyllis Diane triangle was like everything. It was a huge storyline so focus fun. in your time there. So. Uh, what was it like for you to make a return to this genre where you'd had a, a mixed bag experience a, a bit? And, uh, you know, what do you, what are the highlights of your, your first run there for you? Um, well, you know, to be clear, my, my, my time on loving, I was just, that was the only negative thing. It was just kind of a large negative thing, but, um, I really loved the, um, the machine that is daytime. And what happened was I, had just, I had done a, a Disney TV movie and then we did the sequel in Australia. And I'm a phobic flyer at that point in my life, um, which really kind of messed me up for a lot of things. And so here I have to fly to Australia, fly home a week or so later, blah, 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 blah. And I got home and I called my agent and I said, you know, I just want to go back on daytime. I was like, I don't want to fly anywhere. I'm sick of being scared. You know, I don't need to go through the jungle and be creative, you know, whatever. Right. I, I just, I'd like to do, I'd like to have a job. There was that, but my main priority at that point was that I had, um, tweeners. <laughs> my daughters were like 11 and 13, maybe 12 and 15, you know, they were in, in that age range and uh, they were in middle school. And I thought this is the time that, I really don't need to be commuting out of state or out of the country for a job because I'd, I had tested for several things that um, shot in Canada or shot here or shot there. And it was very clear that the family wasn't moving with me at that point. You know, it'd been really hard to take them out of middle school and stick them in middle school in Canada when the show could get canceled in a year, you know, just things like that. So, um, so that was my business side of it. And then, um, you know, personally, I just wanted to work, you know, consistently. And, uh, you know, it was great. I, I remember going through that whole audition process because it was kind of, you know, you're kind of hoping that this medium is still available to you, the same one that wanted you 10 years earlier, you know, and now you're auditioning to get back in there. Um, it was great. It took, it took me like a little bit of time to get used to the four cameras again and how different everything felt being on the floor. But Young and the Restless is shot so much um, smarter than the way Loving had been shot. Loving, it, it, you blocked everything and then every single storyline is on the floor at the same time and they just whip the cameras around so that you constantly could look across, you know, this audit, this soundstage and see, you know, 
your fiance in bed with the woman he's working with. <laughs> and when I say fiance, I mean real life fiance. <laughs> Where, you know, getting in the restless, it's very, um, it's very compartmentalized. And so the energy is so high. And I just, I love that. I love getting in, getting out. I love, I love that everybody's just on their game. You know, you're not waiting, you're not waiting around and doing four pages a day. Um, and wondering if you're going to get out in time to pick up your kid from school. So that was part of, you know, no, I, I loved it. And I had such a good time with Peter and Michelle and Christian and everybody on the show back then. It was great. And, you know, Diane is just one of those classically juicy daytime bad girls. You know, did you enjoy putting on that kind of persona again? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it was crazy to, like when I came on um, in 2001, I picked up, the first Diane storyline. So a lot of what I did was reactive to the bad things that she had done, you know, or, you know, whatever. Um, so you come in with a lot of baggage, which I'm like, okay, that, that makes things spicy. And then just Diane's um, obsession with Jack is just crazy. <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, I have to tell you as a little aside, I was on Twitter while learning lines, while watching the Oscars the other night, and I happened to see a tweet from Michelle, and I just texted her immediately, and I'm like, daytime's got nothing on the Oscars, you know? <laughs> Sometimes you think, I would never do that. I would never do that. Look at the news of stuff that people do, you know? Watch TV of a live broadcast of what people do, and um you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun to go there, to have the permission to go there. I mean, Diane was crazy, like jumping behind the car and getting run over. That was <laughs> insane. That's not normal, but... Oh, my God. We laughed about that a lot, though. And you know what's, what's great is that um, coming back, I, you know, the first... I think I'm allowed to say that I've worked with them by now. Um, it just felt like... I just felt like we had just done this, you know? It didn't feel like 20 years had passed. Pretty, pretty awesome. It's well, uh, after you you made your first Chinawa City exit, you just kept adding and adding to your uh, amazing list of credits. And at the end of the 2000s, you began a four-season run on Vampire Diaries, playing oh, yeah, yeah. the role of the doomed Carol Lockwood. Right. Um, so tell us about your Vampire Diaries experience. And I believe you were actually living in Atlanta at the time yeah. you were cast. Is that correct? Yes. So what happened was... Um, I forget. At some point, we're like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we lived closer to family? Uh, the girls could go to high school, you know, outside of L.A., whatever, whatever. And my mom and dad live there. My sisters, my brothers, Lyndon's family is in Jacksonville when his parents, his parents were still alive at the time. And we were just kind of like, maybe we're done with this, you know, acting thing or whatever. So we moved to Atlanta not real sure what we're going to do. I kind of knew what I wanted to open a business of some sort. But anyway, all of a sudden the whole acting business <laughs> moves there. And yeah. um, it was great. We were busy from the second we got there. And, um, you know, Vampire Diaries uh, came along and I auditioned. I'm, I'm really, I'm really lucky because had I been cast out of LA, I might've only done a couple episodes, let's say, because, you know, the expense is so different. But because here we've got Susan down the street, local hire, they just gave me everything to do. You know, I mean, I didn't make any, I got paid so little, but it was great. I worked so much, which for me, it was a good trade-off. 
You know, I didn't have to fly anywhere. Uh, I was with my kids and I worked a lot. And so, um, you know, sometimes you can kind of see the writing on the wall and it seemed like the mayor was doomed. So I decided that his wife was really the uh, puppeteer in that relationship. And I just started thinking that way. And it's funny because I think they, they started thinking that way. So I became like the mayor just for a minute when he died. And then I stayed the mayor for like four years. So that was pretty cagey of me. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to stay on the show. I loved the show. I loved it. And, uh, and then, yeah, then she drowned. <laughs> then she drowned. <laughs> then she was killed. <laughs> it was a decent death, though. It was a good death. It's funny because we're talking about deaths right now because of, you know, the actor who played Diane before me. And, you know, getting killed off of something, it, it kind of stinks, you know? And I mean, unless you're the one who says, kill me, I want to leave. And um, uh, I was just so fortunate on Vampire Diaries that my death was very private. <laughs> it was just Klaus, <laughs> He's a very committed actor. Um, I lasted probably longer than I thought I would. But uh, also what happened was Lyndon had started coming out to California for Teen Wolf because they had moved from Atlanta to California. And I kind of found it um, silly and almost impossible to be on hold for Vampire Diaries every week, not being cast, if that makes sense. So I was like, I can't just sit in this house thinking they might have me once a day. I mean, once an episode, one day an episode. So I had, was spending more time in LA. And I think, you know, that probably didn't help me stand, help me, help me live. Probably didn't help me live. <laughs> That's well, okay. It did help you get on Teen Wolf, I imagine, because you appeared <laughs> on that series yes. as well. So not only did you work with Lyndon, but you worked with soap alum Shelly Hennig. So tell yes. us about that experience. Um, so when I was on Vampire Diaries, they also were doing Teen Wolf almost, maybe it was just the next season or sometime soon after that. And uh, I auditioned for... Um, Tyler's mom, who Melissa Ponzio was, I walked into the audition. I'm like, oh, they have to hire her. I mean, she's so perfect. It also helps that she's a great person and a great actress. So um, she looked, you know, just like him. So I, I auditioned for that. And then they're like, hey, do you want to be Lydia's mom? And I just remember going, okay. I was like, what do I say? Where do I go? <laughs> How far do I have to drive to get there? You know, and, and Lyndon had already been cast. And so um, I did that while I was doing Vampire Diaries. So what was crazy is there was, there was a couple of times where I, would, I had to go to Vampire Diaries all day, then Teen Wolf all night, and then Vampire Diaries the whole next day. And I remember at one point I'd been up well over 36 hours. Oh my gosh. And uh, um, everybody on Vampire Diaries was so, so great to me. I was lucky because, you know, I, I, I was local hire, you know? So I remember those days where I'd be like, oh, I hope this person knows their lines. Cause you know, you're really dependent on the local hire in the scene. And then uh, it kind of helped the production. I'm sure that I wasn't intimidated working with Ian and Paul and all these people. I'm like, okay, you, you know what I mean? I felt like I was in place. Um, cause I had a lot to do on that show. Sometimes I'd have to like do the beauty pageants and have like pages and pages of stuff to say, but, uh, it was, it was good. It was fun. They were all great. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, Loving and Teen Wolf and Melrose Place, these are just a few of the credits that you actually share with your husband, which I think is so cool. Uh, you also did The War Next Door together. You did Drop Dead Diva together. Uh, what do you like about working with him? And is there any downside to working with your spouse when you're married to Lynn and Ashby? You know how they say, like, after you've been married 10 years, half is theirs, you know, half is yours, that whole thing. <laughs> as far as my job on Young and the Restless, he should be getting three quarters because he runs lines with me every night. You know, he's been amazing. Um, Lyndon, you know, we've also directed two movies together, um, kind of three, but uh, Lyndon is the best director for me that I've ever worked with. You know, a lot of times we work on stuff at home and then I just kind of add to that or translate that to what also the director on set is telling me, you know, he, he's, he's great. So if I'm in a scene with Lyndon, my best friend and best director and acting partner, right? And yet he's playing this person who's wounded me or, um, you know, he's played my ex-husband a couple times that I'm, um, you know, crying about. And it's weird to, to have like all that stuff going on because I'm looking at Lyndon kind of for advice on in the moment, but at the same time, I'm working with Lyndon as the character. So it was a lot of uh, emotional gymnastics on Drop Dead Diva, but it was, it was really kind of fun. And then on the other, it was weird because he was playing a lawyer who was talking to me on the stand about my relationship with my husband, who was played by somebody else. So it's just, that can get a little crazy sometimes, mm -hmm. but we work really, we work really, really well together. And um, we've directed, we directed two movies together in Atlanta last summer and I kind of, you know, was there every day for him on a different movie that he directed here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was well, good. you know, not to be glib, but how do you think you and Lyndon have managed to outlast just about every other marriage <laughs> in Hollywood? Well, um, hmm. uh, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, we just kind of understand each other or maybe we've allowed each other to, you know, go through stuff and have just been able to be stubborn enough to stick with it. Sometimes maybe pragmatic enough to stick with it. You know, I laugh at, um, I feel like we've had three different marriages. You know, we had that first marriage. We just haven't, it just happens to have been with the same person. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yep. And um, sometimes just logistics have probably helped out. Like, oh, this would be just such a big drag if this didn't work out because I got to pack. <laughs> 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 I'm lucky we live right by the ocean now because then, uh, then you know, he has to put up with me because he's like, well, if, I, if we're not, not with Susan, I probably can't live here. <laughs> and we every day. Um, we have a dog that we are, you know, we can't, we can't divide the dog. Um, <laughs> No, in all seriousness, I think I think we we have been fortunate that we've gone through um, you know different stages of our marriage and been able to stay married to the same person. Um, just out of really kind of digging each other, I think is what has helped, um, and also having empathy for each other. Uh, you know, it's I mean, it's certainly it's certainly not all been easy. You know, I remember a girlfriend telling me. Um, uh, we had probably only been married a couple of years and she's like, I just could never have a relationship like that. It's, it's just a roller coaster. And what's interesting is 36 years later, you know, 36 years we've been together and she's had three husbands. And so it might be the similar relationships, but she's had three different people for that. 
So, you know, right now we're kind of in a cool sort of, you know, we're really enjoying each other. That's great. Yeah. We like each other. I, I looked at your Instagram and I feel like you could just tell you guys enjoy each other's company. And that's, that's so, so lovely. Yeah, um, and you're about to enter a new chapter, uh, yes. the grandparent chapter. Yeah. How excited are you to meet this baby that your daughter I'm is expecting? I'm so excited. I'm, I mean, I'm just so excited. And I, you know, I, um, I can't believe I'm on the other side of the country, but I'm hoping, you know, what's great about the soap, if my character is still around, you know, in six months is that, um, they don't work every, you don't work every single day. So I'll be able to go back and forth. And, um, I think Lyndon's going to be like the best granddad. He's just can't wait to spoil a grandchild. Um, it's just really exciting. Everybody says, I was talking to Eric Braden about it and you could, he just lit up talking about his grandchildren. It's a whole different thing, I guess. I guess that's what I'm going to have, you know? Um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's just crazy. I'll let these Jews say to the shiksa, mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into your recent triumphant return to Young and the Restless and Diane's triumphant return to From the Dead. So yeah. the character was seemingly killed off back in 2011 when Mara West was playing the role. Did you even know that Diane had suffered this fate or did it come as a surprise to you to learn that she had died, much less that she was slated to return to the land of the living. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Um, you know, I, I knew that she had died. Um, I had come back on the show for one day about 10 years ago and I worked with Michelle and Peter. And then um, I guess uh, they wanted to bring the character back, but they also, the network wanted Mara. Um, and it just logistically for me, that was fine because I, there's no way I was going to fly back and forth from Atlanta and, so, so we were kind of like hedging all that. And then, then Mara became available because of her show, I guess, got canceled. And then, so that was that. And then I, I think I knew, you know, I knew, I knew that, um, I knew that she was killed off. Um, but I hadn't really kept up with the show that much, you know, um, in the years past or whatever. And then I, I got a phone call from uh, Tony Marina. And he was like, Hey, you know, are you, what do you think about coming back on the show? And I'm like, Oh, sounds good. And he's like, well, you know, the character died. I'm like, yeah, what me? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, don't worry. Like he was like, he was like reassuring me that they don't worry. We'll make it make sense. I'm like, why? Well, I, I never died. I never died. <laughs> Last time you saw me, I was looking really cute in a pair of black theory pants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so I'm like, so what's crazy though, is that I didn't know how she died. I didn't know how horrible she had been. So I get a script and I'm reading how, I think it's about to be on the air tomorrow where I'm talking to, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But anyway, I'm talking to Peter's character about some of the, you know, oh, I'm such a, you know, I've got to, I've got to be forgiven for these things. Right. I'm talking to Jack. So I emailed the writer's assistant and I said, hey, like, is the stuff that Diane's talking about being so horrible? Is it just like Diane stuff, like being manipulative or is there anything specific I'm talking about? She sends me back this list. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I slept with Victor and Nick. 
does this say at the same time? <laughs> oh, the same time frame. Okay, 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 okay. So it was like so crazy. I'm like, I did what? I did what? And then Michelle was funny because she goes, no, no, you don't understand. She was bludgeoned. <laughs> Her head was bludgeoned with a rock. <laughs> so I've had a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> Only imagine. <laughs> um, and I've explained a lot repeatedly. So I understand now, um, you know, knowing how, uh, what horrible things she did. I mean, I guess they knew that she was going to be killed and they just let the town burn, you know. Um, it's probably really hard for them to, to justify having this character back. You know, like how, how does she come back? So I feel like um, there's a lot of repenting going on, you know, and uh, a lot of explaining. And I don't know where any of it leads, to be perfectly honest. I really don't. All I, all I see is, you know, the scenes in front of me and what I'm talking about. And I, I don't know where it, it all leads. I really don't. I've explained her death repeatedly. <laughs> well, your uh, comeback to the show was shrouded in secrecy, and I know they went to some lengths to keep it all under wraps. So talk us through the uh, stealth efforts to get yes. you on, on the set and keep it all, all uh, the cat in the bag, if you will. Yes. Um, well, so then Tony said, you know, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Well, uh, you said you see my Instagram. You know, I'm on a bike all, all the time with my girlfriends. And so... They're like, well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do that trip. Let's go here. Let's bike there. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I can. Oh, I don't think I can. And, you know, I didn't want to tell them, right? So then I'm like, no, you guys, because they're used to me. Like, I've just gone to Vancouver several times or, you know, going to, I was in Atlanta for a couple months. So I'm like, well, I have a job. I'm not real sure how much I'll be working. And, you know, so, uh, but as far as like being on the show, um, Christian and I text together sometimes, you know, just about this, that, and the other. And it was so interesting because he sent me a picture of myself from 2001. And I thought, oh, Christian knows. And he's, he's fishing. And he didn't say anything else. So I couldn't tell him. And then the big joke is like, please, God, don't tell Christian. And because <laughs> then everybody will know. <laughs> so, so, uh, I just didn't tell anybody. It was crazy. And then Peter knew. They told Peter because Peter called me when I was in Vancouver um, working on The Flash right before I came here. And we came on the show. And uh, it was great. It was so great to talk to him. You know, I've thought about so much of the stuff that we've talked about over the last 20 years. You know, he's, he's one of those people who gives you just gems of advice that you can use for decades and decades, you know? and. Um, I just was really excited to be back in the same building with him. And, and then, uh, so then like on my first or second day back, I saw that Michelle was going to be there. So I, I walked into the makeup room and she was getting her makeup on and she's like, Oh my God. And she's like, I knew it. I knew it. She goes, I thought it had to be you, but then I thought it couldn't be you because you were bludgeoned. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that was great. It's just been really fun. You know, people giving me a double take in the hallway. Um, but for the first several weeks, I mean, I didn't have my name on a parking spot and I, they were like, Hey, you might not want to go out to lunch because you know, you, it's better not to be out and about. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I really didn't. Wow. And then my, I think it was, it was right about the time that Matt said that we could tell people, Oh, cause I had been there like a couple, several days and I was in Christian's dressing room and I took a picture of this sign that says something about him. Um, on the wall of his dressing room and I sent it to him 
And we were writing back and forth in French to each other. And I was saying, you know, it's me. And he's like, why are you there? And he goes, do you have a job? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in your dressing room. And he's like, well, why? I'm like, Christian, I'm the woman. And he was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really fun to surprise him that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what was it like for you to, you know, slip back into Diane's clothes again and play her again after all that time? Well, to be honest, slipping back into Diane's shoes was very difficult from a physical standpoint because I don't think I've had heels on for, you know, two or three or 10 years, right. um, except at a wedding, you know, and uh, actually like the, the nerves of Diane, you know, Diane is tense and then I'm in heels. I'm like, why are my calves cramping? And I realized it was because I was in high <laughs> <guy> heels <laughs> for the first time in so long. Um, as far as slipping into her clothes, that was really easy because my wardrobe is fantastic and perfect. I mean, I told uh, David, I'm, I texted him, I'm like, this is exactly what I have, I would have pictured. You know, so nice. He, you know, he's so good at what he does. And um, that was great. And as far as like slipping back into being who Diane is, you know, I have this whole history that I'm explaining right now, but it, you know, I don't, it still feels feels like her, feels sassy. It feels, it's a comfortable role for me. And, and I probably shouldn't admit <laughs> you have to have a lot of guts to play somebody that everybody hates. You know, I told Peter, I said, my God, I, I got really sensitive towards a couple of my girlfriends about something. And I realized, Oh, it's because I'm literally playing somebody who everybody who's talking to me is telling me how much they wished, you know, I wasn't around (laughs) and how horrible I am, even though she was, I'm still hearing all that. I'm like, well, I didn't do it. The blonde Diane did. (laughs) That's so, so funny. Um, So one thing that is different uh, from the last time you were in Genoa City for any length of time is that your son's all grown up, played by Michael Mueller, fan fave, who's also returning to the show. Have you met him and intersected with him? I have. Um, And I think he is another Atlanta boy, which is pretty funny, um, pretty great. Uh, yeah, that he's, he seems to be a very popular, very, um, professional, nice, kind, and open, uh, actor to work with. And he's, you know, he's great. He's great. I I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to working with him more. Um, now without giving away too much, what can you tease about who Diane is today and what her agenda is? I think, you know, the scenes that were already on the air with, Allie, I think she, you know, I absolutely wants to try to make right by Jack. And that's the first step. You know, it's funny because Jack is the least, um, Jack's the one who's like never given her the time of day, you know, in a way. But I think also, uh, you know, he's a really kind person. Um, So I think uh, that is her agenda. Her agenda is to start worming her way back in and and trying to prove that she's changed. Well, I think the only thing we know for sure is that we're excited to watch it unfold. Thank you. And I I have to say, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's fun because I know that Diane has this history and she's going to have to own up to it. And I know that she's, I don't know, can somebody really change to that extent in every way when they're, especially if their back gets put up against the wall. But I do really believe that when she was talking to Allie about how important family is and how much she's been hurt and how she wishes she could do things over again, 
uh, I, I think that, I mean, that was from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people who do bad things can still regret them. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, once you, what do they say? Once you squeeze that toothpaste tube, you can't get it back in, right? <laughs> you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe that's from the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> I um, think so. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so next year, remarkably, uh, it's going to mark the 40th anniversary of you landing that job as Lorna Unloving. Can wow. you sum up how you feel that, that getting that gig uh, on Loving changed the course of your life, Susan Walters? You know, it, I mean, it absolutely did, you know, with, without doubt. Um, I, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky that it was me. You know, I can say that about, you know, we've been joking about Seinfeld. I'm so lucky that I'm the one who, who got it. I will also say, you know, like with Loving, I, um, I was fortunate that I was young, which gives you um, a little more permission to be green on daytime or actually on anything, you know, when you're that age. Um, but I worked really, really hard. Um, to get on a show and then certainly to stay on a show, you know, and, and, you know, that's the thing is about watching, you know, some of the young people that I've worked with over the years since, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I liked them, like some of them. I didn't go out. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. When I was on the soap, what a discipline that was, you know, you get up, you exercise, you go to work, you do your stuff, you come home and you learn it again and again and again. So for that, I was lucky, but I also worked really hard. It did change my life because obviously, you know, I met Lyndon and everything. And what's, what's interesting is a lot of times actors will look at the jobs they didn't get and how that could have changed their life. And I have some, I have some major ones like that. But the cool thing is, is I look at where I am right now and I'm, I'm really glad for how everything's played out. You know, like as soon as you have, for me, as soon as I had kids, I had no regrets about any job that I'd never gotten because I'm like, well, if I wasn't in this place at this time with this chemistry, you know, going on in my body, I wouldn't have had this particular human being. Um, but, you know, loving did change my life. It, it gave me a career path that I certainly didn't think I was going to be on. You know, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, he's like, you can't be an actor. Nobody in our family is an actor. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. It seemed like it was a family business in a weird way, you know, and it's given me a great life. You know, it's given me a great life where I've been able to be around for my kids and have, you know, been able to take them interesting places. Like our daughters always say, why did you guys travel and shoot in such interesting places? And we were too little to remember. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that's crazy that it's 40 years. Yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten older. <laughs> Please. It's anesthesiology's loss is all I can tell you. Yes, thank you. Well, my niece is an anesthesiologist now, which is pretty cool because I, you know, I look at all the, how hard it, you know, it is and all, all that she had to study. And I'm like, all right, that'd have been hard. <laughs> I'm glad I'm an actor. <laughs> I wear pretty clothes. <laughs> you picked the right path. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, Susan, we thank you so much for all your time today. You. It was so great getting to know you. Welcome back. We look forward thank to seeing you. Diane's story unfold and talking to you again soon. Great. I hope you enjoy it. I hope I do her proud. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot that they, there's a lot to like overthink and think and everything else about. And, and, and then there's a lot that Susan wants, you know, going back on a set that you were on 20 years ago and all the energy that comes with that. 
But honestly, at the end of the day, I just, um, you know, I want to tell the story that they're, that they've written for this character. And that's, what's so exciting about it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Susan Walters for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.